Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. It is March 11th, 2019, and this is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast without Tim. Shit's getting crazy. I can't believe I did it. I, 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 this has just been every week that Tim leaves us here. I assume everything's going to go tits up. The website may have, I can't log into it anymore. I don't know what I did. Um, so who knows when the audio will go up, but at least we figured out a live stream. I think maybe this is on YouTube. I don't know. Dan actually came out in support, which is a first. So uh, Whoa, big up the West Midlands. So it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, man? Great, man. So I'm just loving that Birmingham finally got itself on the map uh, by having some deranged, idiotic fan come out and punch Jack Grealish in in the back of the neck. Uh, How long until somebody does that to Frank DeBoer at a game? uh, I mean, it's coming, right? (laughs) It's just a matter of time? I think whoever, if anybody does that, then they need to be stripped of their season ticket. And uh, just destroyed. So what did you think of... Uh, well, I, I guess we got plenty of time to get into this. I've got a good healthy pour of uh, the Old Fourth Distillery bourbon that came out. Really excited about that. So I don't have to DD. All I got to do is walk into my bedroom tonight. So I can just go full tilt tonight. It doesn't matter what happens the rest of the episode. Nice. I've got a beautiful uh, GS13. Mm. Oh, it's good. 
Oh, it fancy, smells so good. Fancy, fancy, fancy. Uh, housekeeping, I know we did get at least one new review on iTunes, so thank you Whoa. for that. And Tim actually set us up a bit.ly link so that I don't have to go scrambling to find it. So thanks, Tim. And I would be remiss if we didn't give and extend our full congratulatory, celebratory um, elation to Mr. and Mrs. Kakoma. Uh, (laughs) it was a great day i was happy to be a part of it you made it out i was excited it was the first time i'd seen you in person in years i know i know i know it was it was amazing um had to come out and support tim uh so happy for them both what an awesome day it was dude i can't believe i I can't get over how perfect everything worked out um i didn't ruin anything which was just as surprising to me Um, right well, you were close, but, you know, you managed to hold, hold it together. There, there were a few times. There yeah. were a few times. Um, so, yes, congratulations to Tim. That is why he is not here with us tonight. Uh, he and Angie are on their honeymoon out in Italy. Uh, I know they did Rome today, so got to see some pictures and stuff of that, which was a lot better than being at my desk, which I was for the entirety of today. I swear, man, took Thursday and Friday out of the office and it might as well, two days might as well have been two years with the amount of stuff I had to catch up on today. It was awful, but same. And I only took an afternoon. Yeah, but we're here now and we're here to make the most of it. So we have a new review, five stars. Wow. They are great. Great show for the common man. Don't take themselves too seriously. Great insight without sounding like annoying know-it-alls. Perfect for the minimum of an hour commute home in the great city of Atlanta. One of the better OCSC podcasts out there. Thank you to TBS Shortstop 22 uh, for that. And if you want to hear your review read aloud on the show, be sure to throw it up on iTunes. And if you don't want to, you can still throw up stars. We'll accept those, whatever form or fashion you want to take. Uh, we appreciate it all. So, hey, so can I make a comment on a reviewer from last last week? Because I yes. wasn't here to disperse my pearls of wisdom. Uh, so they said that uh, it sounds good as long as they look like look all the same or something. And I resent yeah. that because I look nothing like you. Whatever. I mean, man. I look so much different to you, Kevin. You look pretty similar to Tim. And well, you just that's sound Tim. different. I've got a longer head than Tim. So I don't know what they were smoking, but come on. Yeah, well, you know, you take it, you leave it, and uh, we it's not going to change anything. We're going to keep doing it, and we're going to keep showcasing everybody that wants to uh, have a voice in the only way we know how, through the phone lines, which Absolutely. I don't remember the number. So Don't worry luck. about it. Don't <laughs> worry about it. I'm sure Tim has already just so irritated with the sound quality and the fuzzing that's going on that... Look, uh, he's already stopped listening to I'm the, doing this recording. everything I can here, man. I don't know what <laughs> else I could possibly do. Uh, I got a whole separate mic, even though I'm not in studio to try to make this oh, thing you, right. I made sure not. Yeah, it is nice. I made sure not to eat anything while I was recording, so he'll be very happy to hear that. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, I, I'm doing what I can. I'm trying to find this damn phone number. And it's it's killing me, man. It's absolutely killing me. I know that I put it somewhere, but now I can't remember. Oh, well. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. I, like the uh, 343, I'm sure it will just stay around for We'll just maturity. figure it. It'll figure it out over time. And Okay, got it. 
nine seven. I'm gonna write it down so that I don't have to do that every time I try to think of it. So this is where Tim comes in handy because he'd be able to pivot for me. And you just can't be trusted, Dan. You've you've not been around, and I don't know if you're if you're capable to just pick up the mic and run when it run with it when I need you to. You know you're. You're more of a defensive midfielder, and I, and I don't know that I'm ready to put you into the attacking Remedi role that we've seen over the past few weeks, and um, the results speak for themselves. Well, that's just because you keep on just going on and going on and going on, and you don't listen to the outside people talking to you. <laughs> well, maybe if the outside people got up off of their seats and actually helped manage me. Boo! Wow, <laughs> Uh, those boos were intended for Tim, not for the rest of the trap, which is shown out in full support tonight. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in with us. Bear with us as we get our sea legs here. Um, so we mentioned it, uh, a little upset. Interesting. Got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, man. Um, I don't even really know where to start. To be honest, should we start with uh, Concacaf? Should we start with leg one against Monterey? Because I we didn't Ooh. talk since then, and um, I think it all plays to the same narrative, right? I mean, we we've had I think so. five games so far, and you you've you've separated them in groups of two on either side of one win, and the team has seemed uh kind of sporadic and schizophrenic at times in what it's trying to be and what it should be and I, I don't really know which way is up or down so it's almost best to take it game by game to see what things are changing and evolving as the as the games progress so i think the one consistency that we have seen apart from conceding goals and not necessarily scoring many goals apart from when we beat herediano 4-0 is that we have played consistently and we've we've actually played very well defensively. Um, meaning that we've had a lot of possession, we've managed to control the ball, and if it's not for these stupid mistakes, um, then we wouldn't have conceded so many goals. And I feel like up until Sunday we had kind of had an out or an excuse for each one of these teams we had faced. Um, And the only real excuse I can think about against Cincinnati was just fatigue. Yeah. So, and Monterey were um, the better team, but they weren't the, they weren't exactly convincing over the whole point of the game. They definitely were not. That was a winnable game in my opinion. And or at least a draw. I felt like a yeah. goal was coming up until maybe the 70th minute. And it then seemed it like once the first one fell, the other two were just head in, our sand, head in the sand results of uh, a lack of, I don't know, not a lack of effort, but it just seems like every game this team and the players just seem to get beaten down more and more, and the results are, are coming as a result of that. Well, I think for the for the Monterey game, the first goal we managed to because that came in the first half. I think after the second goal, that's when it was like, "Damn it, we've put in all this effort, and now it, it, it's all for naught." It seems, and then of course we let up again, and the third goal goes in, which uh, was quite annoying because that was a beautiful Joseph Martinez esque goal that they scored on the third one. Yeah. Um, 
But, I mean, hats off to them. They played really well. We've got a big hole to dig ourselves out of. Um, I have a little bit of optimism, but I am sort of resigning myself to the fact that we're probably going to go out. Uh, However, I, I would I would wager a bet that this is the end of our CCL run uh, I, this week. I agree. So, are you going to go out guns blazing, or are you going to go out playing Andrew Carlton and Chris Goslin and Bello and Brendan Moore? I mean, are you going to give the kids a chance and co- kind of concede this one and rest all the starters, or are you going to go out? Uh, like the Desperados in that movie Desperados. And I just... think right now is a, is a pivotal moment for Frank DeBoer and how he manages this club and manages the players and, and most importantly manages the locker room because there's a there's there's no doubt that the players feel beaten up and disappointed in the results and and ultimately I hope and I think that Frank DeBoer is disappointed in the results as well obviously nobody wants to lose and that's not the goal here uh, with a new system or new tactics but what would seem to make sense to me and if I had a preference would be to put that decision in the uh the arms of the players at this point they're tired they're exhausted you know what what's more important to them do they feel up to the challenge to rally and, and maybe challenge the system in place by frank DeBoer with something different because you've got nothing to lose right now in ccl right um maybe this is a time to let the players voice what maybe they see fit and and it's it's pretty obvious that they're maybe frustrated with the formation or the tactics and and what's transpired so far in the season and how they fit into that and while there's still time to figure out the kinks and how that may work in regular season play if you're really gonna put the power to the players and you're gonna go full force at ccl you've got to let the players do it their way in my opinion um because it's ultimately going to be them having to do something creative and innovative to come back from being down three nil on aggregate right now. I totally agree. Um, I think that's, that's a good uh, perspective. Uh, I mean, hear them out. I remember one, there was one game when Jose Mourinho was still managing Chelsea. And I think they, at halftime, they were losing two or three nil. And Mourinho, this is when Mourinho was a good manager he went into the locker room and he said, you guys have put yourself in this hole. You've got the talent. We pay you enough to get yourself out of it. I'm not doing anything. I've put you all in the places that you succeed and you're not succeeding. So go out and do it. And they went out and they, they ended up winning the game. Now, I don't think uh, DeBoer has as much uh, capital with the players as Mourinho did at that point in time. But I think uh, absolutely sitting down with the players and asking them what they want to do. I feel like they need to stay within the 343. I I think they need to keep going. Um because what I have seen, it has been successful in times. Yes, we haven't won games, but it has been these weird mistakes and conceding late in games uh if um that has been our downfall. So I still see some see some success there. I watched rewatched the Cincinnati game today. And, you know, if if there wasn't so much indecisiveness from players like Barco or Shea, then we could have easily come out 
on the other side of that. A couple of, you know, the ball goes uh, an inch here or an inch there, then we end up winning that game like 3-0, 3-1. So I, I'm not ready i'm not ready to throw this away at all i'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater either or all three of them in your case um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think that the system is going to take time to adapt and for the players to adapt within it but there's a time and a place for that and right now i don't know again it goes back to what we we're saying do the players feel like they are are match fit and ready to really go out hair on fire as uh as Kendrick mentions in the trap I, we want to see we need starters and I need them to play balls to the wall hair on fire to see what this team can really do I don't think what this team can really do is fully emphasized in the tactics that Frank DeBoer is trying to employ right now it seems that the system can work uh opportunistically in the right setting once the players are familiar and comfortable and how the system is supposed to work and once they start to build and find success in that but right now this team's not in a position to employ that and do so uh in a way that i think produces results against a very very talented monterey team even with the home field advantage which right now after saturday and the debacle that followed the end of that game is suspect in my opinion uh so i think you give the power to the players i don't know what really happens in that but it would be a nice i think it would be a a a good gesture from frank to to give that power back to the players and see what they can do and maybe them challenging his tactical approach to the game we end up with some hybrid scenario where the players feel comfortable playing possession, but knowing when that push and pull is supposed to happen because they've adapted it to the style of play that they really want to employ. Yeah. I, so I think, I think there's, so there's two, two points I want to make. I think DeBoer goes to the players and say, okay, Wednesday, I need you to give me everything. Sunday, I'll give you guys the day off. Like against Philadelphia, we can play our backup gu- our backup guys, give the youth a chance, and then you've got an international break for a weekend. So then you can you could rest pity over Sunday. Even if we lose the Philadelphia game, I feel like we give everything for Wednesday. That's our cup final right now. Um, the the other point I want to make is... And I think a win, even with a loss on aggregate, is a big stepping stone for this team. Don't get me wrong. I don't personally think this team advances out of this game against Monterey because I just don't see us winning 4-0 um, or even maybe 3-0 three, three to take it to extra time or PK. It goes directly to PKs, right? It um, does. I, I don't necessarily see that out of this team right now, uh, six weeks in, but... A 2-1 win over that Monterey team is a big, big momentum swing for this team and starts to build some confidence going into regular season play and uh, realizing you know, how we can adjust and maybe build on some success, even if it does knock us out of CCL in the long term. So I think it's in eight games, Monterey has only been beaten by an MLS team once. Right. So we could be the second one. Um and yeah, I agree. A two, winning breeds winning, and a two-one win would would actually really help. Um, even though we would be going out, even if it's a two-nil, I mean, whatever. It, a win, we need a win, and then take 
Sunday off. The um, <coughs> the other thing is the formation. The three four three is a complicated uh, formation to play because everyone needs to be on the same page a lot more than you would be in like something like a a three five two or a four two three one because depending on what's going on one side of the pitch all the players on the other side need to be reacting in a specific way and that necessarily ha- you don't have that sort of strict structure in other formations that we've played in the past i think that's what allowed us to be so uh, successful at the end of last season because uh, we weren't so restrictive in that way uh, but and part of the indecisiveness like i remember I'm sorry, I'm just going to go straight into the Cincinnati game. but No, that's, I think I, I've got everything I need to say about Monterey out of the way now. There, there was a point, was in the, like, the 60th minute, where uh, Barco is dribbling into space. He's on a run. He's got at least like seven feet around him of clear. And then he picks his head up, looks around, and passes it back into the middle of the field on a, on a backwards pass. And you were just thinking, why on earth are you doing right. that? His strength is running at players right. and trying to, to break through the lines. So he's obviously thinking way too much, and I think DeBoer has got him thinking even more, which is unfortunate because Barco had so much, you know, he, he had so much of a hit to his confidence and never really gelled um, under Martino, especially with Almer on there, uh, that... It could be potentially another stumbling block to his uh, overall break into the to the team. Yeah. So, speaking of the FC Cincinnati game, let's maybe start with the discussion of Barco and elaborate that to the top three as a whole. I've seen a, a lot of discussion, and rightfully so, a lot of criticism about the fact that Atlanta United currently has about forty-five million dollars invested in the front three. And with opportunities on goal of, I think it was two shots against DC and something like seven total yesterday against FC Cincinnati, six of which were in the first 55 minutes, you know, there it's leaving a lot to be desired out of those front three. And personally, it seems to be a result of them not fully clicking with this new system. Um, I think, observationally what I seem to recognize is that there's no real I can't point to anything at least in the first five games of what this system is supposed to look like or what a successful attempt at this system looks like over the course of a half much less a full game I don't think that that Herediano game is really an example of that um I think that was more a result of Herediano getting shell-shocked by a goal that happened very early on and then ultimately giving up by the end of it. So I think the players are maybe getting some of that frustration too because you see Martinez stepping into space to pull defenders, which is so contradictory to how he has traditionally played um, because they're playing the possession and wanting to pass the ball off. But because he's coming so far forward to move those defenders forward, there's some hesitancy by uh, the midfield to distribute the ball to him. And then that combined with the Remedi being now the attacking midfielder rather more than the more defensive player, Breck Shea bombing up on the left side inconsistently, inconsistently at best. It's I just don't know where all these parts and pieces 
factor into this new system. And those front three, especially with the amount of talent and skill and investment that's up there, how they fit into this and what they're supposed to be doing. And Frank's only uh, excuse is that the fans are spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) That was an interesting comment. Now, I think, so the best I've seen in this system and how I believe it's supposed to work is the first 10 minutes against Cincinnati. So we went in there, we got the early goal, and then we had another tacking sequence. I, I think it was around the seventh minute. And what happened was it was a, we turned over the ball back in the defensive third, and then we transitioned the ball very quickly up the field. And we were able to get, um, I think at that point in time, it was Barco on the left into space. And we had managed to over, uh, we had managed to pull the Cincinnati defenders all the way over to the right. Um, So we had worked that space. uh, And although the attempt didn't end in a goal, it, it was a it was a fast transitional break with a lot of passing and passing into players into space because um, the other thing we're trying to do is we're trying to do a lot of runs off the ball when we're coming into the attack in third so you would see I, I think I saw Barco I saw Shea I saw uh, Gressel and even PT trying to make runs to the corners of the pitch to drag those defenders away unfortunately when we would do that the person in possession of the ball would kind of pause and then either pass it laterally or pass it back so any space that had been created by those guys rushing away to pull those defenders away was just easily swallowed up by the guys turning around and say oh the ball's not being played i'm just going to walk back here and fill this hole in the defense that I just vacated. Right, but I've seen I saw the opposite of that happen as well. There was multiple opportunities where uh, I forget who w- was out of the midfield, whether it was um, Larry or uh, Nagby, try to feed the ball to Gressel on a run that he would traditionally have taken in an out route to play the corner. But he was playing almost like a, a holding winger at that point, trying to hold the defender on the line, and a a typical break or a run that he would make to that post, he's no longer doing consistently because they're playing this possession game in between for quick and easy passes uh, rather than taking those runs head on. So again, I just don't know. It just seems so sporadic and and segmented that I don't know which way is right and what they're actually supposed to be doing. And I don't know that they necessarily know right now either. Yeah, I think, the, there is an element of truth to that, but I, I really believe that over time, these uh, these disconnections, because we're always doing the opposite of what right. we want to do. We're either going right when we should be going left. We're stopping when we should be pressing. Um, I really feel like that is eventually going to work itself out. Right. And, and when, um, when this comes online... It could be incredible. I just hope it comes online soon enough for us to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, and that's my biggest concern too, is that there's an expiration date on all of this. And and ultimately, I don't know who's right, whether it's Frank DeVore for saying that Atlanta United fans are spoiled and then ultimately this the system will play itself out and it'll work out, or if it's the, the fans assuming that that style of play that worked last year is going to work again. But I will say 
one thing that any sports fan, especially, you know, college football fans down down south you all recognize and understand if you look at the alabamas of the world and stuff like that um what works to to build consistency in in play is changing things up year after year it's because if you if you if you play a consistent style um people are going to learn how to shut that down and as and as parts and pieces move that maybe aren't as successful or capable of employing that system you get a new quarterback or a new number 10 into a system maybe that quick countering approach to play doesn't work as much a year after you win the mls cup as it did the year that it did um so i think that atlanta maybe changes up its tactics one way or the other regardless this year because you have to keep your opponent guessing on what you're doing and force them to react to something rather than you being the one that's always reacting so i would maybe caution fans on getting too far down that mindset i guess maybe my frustration is not that the system is changing but that i think the system and everything else in it is changing maybe too quickly for the players to adapt you're looking at seven games in a span of 18 days you've got uh new key pieces with brekshay at left back and pity is the number 10 barco playing more consistently on that left wing position and you see barco and pity switching out for the number 10 on a regular basis you're going to a three back formation you've got a new manager that wants to change the tactics it just seems like a lot and this team just seems really overwhelmed and um i guess i'm just frustrated it's not even about the results on the field it's it's I'm frustrated with how we have been supporting this team as well. And, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how you felt about the booing at the end of the game yesterday, because personally it's while I think it's important for fans to share their voice and, and express opposition to something, especially if they're paying for it. Uh, I think there's a better way to do that than to boo a team and a manager after a game and and try to parcel and piece out, well, we were booing for the manager but not for the players whenever it's pretty evident that the players don't know the difference in that whenever you're booing after a draw and Parker says himself, like, you know, well, maybe next time we play a home game, it's not a performance worth booing. You know, that's that's really disheartening to me as a supporter because regardless of your intentions, that's the way it's taken, and we need to find a better way to showcase or emphasize that rather than booing everything and all at once. Um, I wear this plastic hat because I feel it's ironic. <laughs> uh, um, I think if you're booing, you are actually plastic. And quite frankly, I don't want to be a, a gatekeeper, but you need to understand, you need to get educated on what he's actually trying to implement here and understand that things take time. They don't just take five weeks. I, I don't think there's any excuse for the booing. Booing. I'm dead against it. I think it's stupid. I think it's moronic. Um, I think there was the guy punching Jack Grealish this weekend, and then right under them, there's the people booing Frank DeBoer or Atlanta United. Just, I mean, have, an, have a couple more beers and go, you know, go get into a bar fight or something. I mean, right. come on. 
Don't Mich- be- it's Michelle ridiculous. in the trap has a great point. You can't boo and act like spoiled brats and then get offended when you're called spoiled because that's exactly how you're acting at that point. I'm interested Absolutely. to hear what everybody else's uh, thoughts are about this, and, and I want to hear the rest of your point out as well. But people are kind of blowing up about uh, the booing and the changes implemented. Louis E., which is a new name that uh, I believe in the trap, gradual changes are fine. Wholesale changes are a little ridiculous. Frank did the exact same thing palace um obviously i I mentioned uh michelle's point as well um yeah but okay so let me comment on that i mean you can't bring someone in and tell them to play a style from that is somebody else's hallmark you so if you do that they're never going to have any ownership in the system and they're never going to be successful in it. They have to implement their own system. You have to give them ownership. You have to, you know, let them do the job you hired them for. I mean, yeah, Darren Eels and everyone was saying, well, we want to bring someone in that's going to bring the same sort of stock out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's window dressing. Right. That's, that's not going to, that is, I mean, you would, it would be, you would be so much more um you would get you've got a better chance of getting blood out of a stone yeah. i mean it's it's just not going to happen it's like um steve sarkeesian coming in and playing exactly and managing just like carl shanahan it doesn't work right and that's another great analogy you falcons fans will be pretty well versed in how bad the offense and the falcons looked under the first season of Shanahan and having Matt Ryan do things that he was uncomfortable with. And then the second season, uh, not really super satisfying. You at least get to a Super Bowl, even if you don't win it, but you look far more skilled and capable of running that offense. I guess what's missing right now and what I think Shanahan was able to find and and also plays to your point about not having managers run somebody else's system is also that whole point about the players having some impact in that. I don't expect Joseph Martinez to not play like Joseph Martinez. You've got to find some way to let that system mold, change, and adapt to the players just as much as the players have to mold, change, and adapt to the system. And it can't all be one way. And right now, uh, again, very early on, it seems far too much – uh, that the system is being imposed on the players with very little of the creativity or the things that we we had seen consistently out of Martinez or Gressel or Remedi and Nagby that we did last year actually taking place in some way in this system that seems to make sense. So that's my biggest criticism. Criticism of it is it's not that there's a new system. It's not going to a three back. While I have some issues with putting um parkhurst on the right side rather than center as evidenced by the tying goal where parkhurst gets pulled to his natural position in center and you can argue that may have been what led to the breakdown as well as not having an additional man whenever they've got four players up top against your three back position there's a lot of different ways you can cut that up it's that the players seem to be lost in this and i think that's what's leading to some of their frustration as well is that there hasn't been that management side of that that starts to gel those two things. It's that it's all a mentality and approach to tactics, but none of that seems to be adapted to what players 
inherently want to do and they seem like they're just on a leash so i i agree in a perfect world that that would be what we would want to happen i just don't under i don't know how you would real you would realistic implement it because he's gonna have to know the players intimately in order to better uh progress them to another system i feel like in the short amount of time that he's got to do essentially what he's got to do is like just jam the the round peg in the the square hole and eventually it'll get through and it'll become a square i know that seems kind of but i think that's probably what led to his success at ajax and why he's touted as being somebody that's capable of molding youth players is that it's a lot easier to do that with youth players than it is with players that are in their mid twenties or even older that are used to playing a certain way and have found success in playing that way to then have to backpedal and relearn a whole new system just for the sake of a manager. That seems counterintuitive to what you're paying them to do. Right. But then you're, you're starting with younger players. I mean, you, you, you know, all of starters that he's inherited from Martino have already played that way. There's, they're going to be, You've got to work with them more to move them to a different system than you would, like, to your point, the younger players like Carlton or Goslin or Bello or Asidu or uh, Bashti, who are going to be able to pick it up and learn because they've got no other comparison to, to go to. But, you know, like, um, I probably Joseph, Rometty, um maybe Nagby to an extent, Jeff. I mean, those are all guys who are really going to have to, they've got to really get their head around it quickly. Right. And that's, what's concerning is that it's just so much, so quick um, going to the trap, the trap, um, Elliot Beaven. It's still early in the season for Atlanta. It takes time to understand this system. And I completely agree. Dirty bird person. I'm fine with the three, four, three down the road long term, but I think, we need to run a system with the tools we have. At this rate, I'm not sure how much longer the players are going to give him. Joseph is clearly more than his usual upset. Um, Brittany S., I thought you're supposed to adapt to the team you're playing as well. Um, and Brittany S. also says you can't play a 3-4-3 against every team. Nobody's thriving in the system except Miles Robinson, which brings up a good point, Dan. Who do you think, aside from Miles Robinson, that's really thriving in this system or seeming to show some sort of uptick? Or I, Again, I don't, I don't think any of us are arguing even the people that are saying it's still too early to call on whether or not this is going to be a success or not. I don't think any of us are arguing that the system is fully adapted or that it's a reasonable expectation that these players are capable of running this system right now. But who do you see that's really starting to get the hang of it in some regard? You mentioned the first 10 minutes against Cincy. Is there any other players that you're seeing consistently do what you think is supposed to work here aside from miles robinson maybe um all right so i think that when so when tata came over he stubbornly played the 4231 the entire season he didn't tell he didn't use the players in their um in their role he and he cobbled together these players found a system put them in and told them you are going to play this way in this system and he was stubborn in that fact 
And once he got the guys gelled, he didn't waver from it. And the, De Boer has to do the same thing while he's implementing his philosophy here. He Great has point. to. He That's doesn't. He cannot. He cannot change it. If he changes it, then everything they've been working on is going to be for naught, and it's we're going to be even further step back. Um, so the other players, yeah. So Miles Robinson has been awesome. Uh, love him. I think. I mean, I think LGP has. You know, he's been playing the same role. Yeah. Um, I think, I actually think Rometty has been pretty decent. I have thought he's been playing a lot better. Um, it's been interesting to see him and Nagby shift roles essentially in the midfield, where it seems like Rometty is far more the attacking midfielder now than Nagby is, and and that's yeah. So I would understand that with if he when he's playing with Jeff that Rometty would shift up, but I thought if he was going to be playing with Nagby, Nagby we would take more of that eight role or Remedi would be the six. Uh, but Remedi's actually shown some real um, technical chops. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, he's done a couple of moves, like just footwork here and there. And I was like, wow, that seems kind of Almiron-esque. But he, I mean, he's not Almiron, obviously. And um, I don't know, maybe I think he has some potential of um, actually being that... Um, that link up to the front uh he's got muscle he can he could he could um he can push guys around he's got technical now he's been um he's looked a little dangerous there was one or two uh moves when he's come steaming into the box against cincinnati uh obviously nothing came of it but uh there, there was some danger there and he looked athletic enough to do it uh i'm i'm starting to really warm to remedy as well yeah uh because of that i uh I really think that Nagby could really thrive in this system. I, I think the system is more built for Nagby than any of the um, uh, areas that Tato was trying to implement him in the past. Where do you think Kendrick <coughs> mentions, uh, I think people are under underestimating how big of an impact not having Escobar is. And remember, Nagby was sitting out preseason while trying to force a trade, so he still isn't in great form. You know, he mentions a good point about Escobar that he's one of our biggest threats at that right back position. And, and with miles Robinson seemingly thriving in this new system, where does Escobar fit in with this? So I'm thinking that Escobar is going to be playing, uh, as the right wing back, uh, potentially where maybe where Gressel's playing. I think that could push Gressel, up and potentially look into maybe displace Barco. Um, I think it gives us a lot more depth. Uh, we'd have to. He may just cut, be able to come into rotation if you know. Maybe he can step inside of uh, if Parkhurst is there or be another option of Parkhurst because at the end of the Cincinnati game, Parkhurst was one of the guys where he had his hand, hands on his knees, just gasping for air. Um, I'm not exactly sure where where Escobar fits in. I'm thinking right wing back, but then what do you do with Gressel? Gressel, right. you want Gressel on the field, right? But Gressel isn't really fit to be a ten. I mean, he's done it before, but I don't think you consistently <laughs> move him towards central. Um, it seems no, no, no. Odd but to if take he's Barco or Pity out, so I don't know either, man. It's it's going to be a tough call, and I don't know that. 
Gressel I'm, or any of those players are really adapted to say, okay, well, Gressel definitely over Escobar or. Well, I mean, at that point in time, you're like, okay, what can Gressel do on the left wing? Right. I mean, I'm. What's I your am, thoughts been on Breccia? Because to me, uh, I was super excited after that Heredia Ano game, and I'd be the first to admit that maybe Tim and I got a little too excited about that uh, second leg. And then since then, it's been two games of mediocre play at best. And somebody, I forget who it was, mentioned uh, a drinking game of taking a shot every time. Uh, it was uh, Brandon Scott. Could you imagine trying to survive a Breccia drinking game where you drink on every back pass? <laughs> So funny you bring that up, Brandon. Breck Shea had 73 passes. In the final third, four of those passes were forward momentum passes. Wow. And I'm and I'm being wow. conservative on that number because some of them were more or less lateral and 13 of them were backward passes. And I'm talking about in the final third, he's got a couple where he's basically up by the corner flag and he's passing it all the way back into the central third. Yeah. It's, I'm, ah, oh gosh, I'm hoping if George Bello plays again, he can uh, have his confidence back. Well, Bello is playing again. He played with the twos this past weekend. Um, I don't know right, but, that, I mean, so. is he going to come back into the senior team now? Well, you um, know, maybe that's where we, we see this whole give power to the players approach this week. You know, Breck Shea's not really – Breck Shea certainly has not been in, on an uptick like he was against Herediano. <laughs> Hered, after that second Herediano game, nobody argues Breck Shea should be starting over Bello in that position. Of course, he's got the, the tenure and maturity. He's played that position. He's naturally left-footed. Yes, he deserves to start over Bello. Now, I'm not making that argument. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody else that does. And in a game that you've got nothing to lose against Monterey, seems like a – Perfect homecoming for George Bellow if he's fit to play with the twos and he had a good showing. Um, you've got him warmed up. Why not put him in, is my opinion. What What about starting Carlton? Where's Carlton? My Tim, Tim impression. Where's Carlton? <laughs> no, you know he'd be clamoring for Vasquez. Well, did you see uh, Vasquez managed to not get um, sent off and scored a goal uh, this weekend with the twos? That's a first. That's a fair, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, if Bella comes in, I really hope he's able to uh, to make an impact on the game. Um, oh man, I am not digging Brexhay at all, at all. Yeah, I, I, I think he has. I mean, he has the ability. He's just he seems so uh, lethargic. <laughs> the best way i can describe it he just doesn't seem to have any sort of bulldogishness that no. i would want him to have like you need a player in that winger role that is going to give you some sort of aggression to run after balls and then whip something in on on a one touch centrally like Julian like a Greg Garza, has, like Greg Garza and Julian Gressel is consistently done on the right side, and what Escobar does whenever he's on the right side. Breck Shea clearly has the touch and has a left foot if he somehow can get the time and all of the buildup. But everything leading up to that opportunity has been missing outside of that Herediano game, and it may have just been because he had nobody really challenging him. 
And that may be another thing that needs to be adapted is having some sort of link up play or consistent build up with Barco or pity up top to where he feels comfortable whipping something in instead of passing it back. But right now there's nothing happening over there. Yeah. I'm, I'm just writing down, you know, who the depth on the left wing, Shea, Ambrose, Bello, uh, Hernandez, uh, I don't feel confident starting any of them right now. Um, maybe Bello. I don't know. Maybe Carlton. I, I would say Ambrose. I mean, Ambrose is clearly healthy. Um, he didn't have a great game on the right side, and I wouldn't expect him to. Um, yeah. I think that... I mean, <coughs> my, uh, my love for Ambrose has cooled a little bit. Uh, I thought he played pretty decent against Monterey on the right side in the first half. But then the second half, he was it's like he was non-existent. Right, and so maybe it's a matchup that we see Bello and Ambrose on left. That would seem to yeah. make sense, and then you've got Breck Shea resting for a league game that we really need to win against Philadelphia. Um, I think everybody's gassed right now, man. You saw Pity just blatantly not challenging balls past the 60th minute yesterday in the midfield. Uh, Brittany S mentions that apparently he said that, or Breck Shea said that he wasn't match ready yet. Like he's, he just doesn't have the stamina for it. Um, well, the thing with pity, I mean, he's, that's another knock against the, when the MLS season is scheduled. I mean, he has not had an off season. That's a good point. Since the summer, he's come in straight from River. That's River a really Plate good point. And playing all those games, and now he's like, okay, he's a brand new season. Yeah, and to You're your in. point earlier about in. having an international break, he's gotten called up to the Argentinian team, so he doesn't really get a break. Exactly. So, so I kind of was trying to understand how much time the guys have been playing. So in 17 days, we've had five games. That is one game every 3.4 days yeah. or one game every 81 hours. And then uh, as of this Sunday, it's seven games in 18 days, which is like one game every 2.5 days. Right. So, yeah. And then think about you've traveled to Costa Rica. So each way is basically a day. That's 12 hours because yeah. you've got to get up. You've got to get to the airport, all this other stuff. Then you had the same thing go into Monterey, so there's another. Oh, that's not hours that's that not gone. counting the fact that before they went to Monterey, they were on the road to DC, went straight from DC to Monterey. They didn't even come home. Exactly. I mean, you you take all that out, and basically I've added it all up, and what you get is in between each game you've had basically one point two days of downtime. And that's not counting practice and everything else that you've got to put in. What? No, that was including oh, okay. practice and everything. You've had you've had one. You basically had one day, right? To to relax, and that's that's not enough time. No, it's not. So, <laughs> oh man. So uh, what time is it? We're at ten o'clock. Oh hey, I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. So you said earlier about an ex- expiration date on DeBoer. If we ended the season and we didn't make the playoffs. Are you going to be calling for DeBoer no. to go? No, because we're going to have to go through the same thing again. You, you cannot fire. I am of the belief that you cannot fire a manager or a coach any sooner than a two-year run. I mean, you've got to give them at least that. You give them one year to see if a – because if you fire them, you have to bring in a new manager. 
Um, and the players are going to have to learn a new system, and you're in the same boat again, no matter what. Um, I think, personally, we, we have Frank DeBoer for at least two years. If at the end of two years, we haven't, we, if we've missed the playoffs two years in a row after coming off of an MLS Cup, he's absolutely gone. But I think that you give him a year to see how things shake out, and maybe we see where we're trending at the end of this year and we may see a downturn at the beginning of the year while everybody is figuring it out. And then the hope is that by the end of the year, you're on an uptick like DC was last year and you end up making a run at the playoffs and, and maybe just narrowly missing them. And the hope is that next year you come in and you're actually on some solid ground and you're building on something rather than restarting something. And then if, if, you're in the middle of the season next year, not producing results. It may be a middle season thing, but I think you're at least you've got a two year sort of deal with a new manager personally. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I'm not, I think it's interesting because we have this sort of, uh, fervor and passion within the, uh, Atlanta United fan base that, you know, we want, we want the best uh, results and we don't want to stand for anything less than that. I think that's great and everything, um, but I think it it needs to be tempered. So what do you think right now? um, Small sample size, five games in. Where do you see this team trending um, going forward? Maybe Instead of the whole season, let's think the next five weeks. What do you think? Uh, I can pull up the schedule. I know we've got the Union. I think we've got Columbus. I got the schedule right here. So we've got Philly. We've got Philly at home, Columbus away. Uh, we've never lost at Map Frey Stadium. Uh, then we've got the Revolution two weeks after that away. Um, then we've got Dallas and then Colorado at home. Um, so what is that? Three or two? Two home so games and two. Three at, three at home, uh, two away. Where, how do you think well, we shake out? I think we pull, I think we get a win this weekend against Philadelphia. Um, yeah, you would hope. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know so, they're, they're what I said earlier, situation. just did the I did the offside trap with it's always soccer in Philadelphia right before we recorded, and you know, uh-huh. and, and their mindset is they're kind of in a similar situation to us. Maybe not with all the investment and the capital backing for all their offensive power, but that they're finding out a new system and figuring it out as well. But they're they've consistently been a middle of the table team, and not to be a underestimated and somebody's got to lose in that game and based on a, a very tired Atlanta and uh, an Atlanta that's figuring things out I don't think it's a given that Atlanta wins I, I expect them to but I, I don't know that it's an easy win and and I think ultimately we ended up with the discussion saying it's going to be a dirty win whoever comes out of that because both teams are still figuring things out and it's going to be very sloppy in the meantime so if I'm going to continue with my narrative that we put all on all our eggs in our basket against Monterey um hopefully that we win that game but I don't think we're going to progress in that competition uh and then we play we play a um a reduced first team against Philadelphia I say we draw or even lose that one you think we lose Philly yeah because we'll have put everything into Monterey and then you've got then you've got like the if we lose to Monterey, yeah, just rest everyone. 
take the hit against Philly. You've got then you allow players like uh, Pitti Martinez. And, did Barco get called up as well? Maybe it's just Martinez. I don't know or, if he did. Well, we're gonna. I mean, Vialba's gonna be going. Um, not that Vialba's played any minutes. Um, it, it gives the whole team to really have like a good long rest, like a good two week layoff. Yeah. Uh, and then you hit the ground again going to Columbus. Um, which I see, I could see us beating them and beating New England. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think the next five weeks as we start to wind down here? Phone lines are open six seven eight eight two seven three two nine seven. Uh, small showing tonight in the trap. I, it's I'm gonna blame this on Tim not they being here. Tim, right? We did start later tonight, so there's that, and it's also my fault for being showrunner tonight. So I'll take the blame there. Um, also, I'm back, so. What's that? I'm back. That's true. That's true. Um, so, yeah, looking ahead to Philadelphia, or do you want to look at – let's talk about Monterey. Well, we kind of already did. What do you think score prediction-wise? What are you expecting out of the Monterey game? I'm expecting a 1-1 draw, but I think I would like a 2-1. I'd like a, I mean, I'd like a, a four nil win. That's not. But I, it's, I, I, I think the best we can do is two one. And I, th- and that's what I'm gonna hope for as well. I think it's gonna be a two one, and it may be a late goal that ends up squeaking in there. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be Atlanta scoring early and then Monterey clawing back. I think it's gonna be Atlanta just sort of sealing the deal and maybe building some momentum going into the Philly game, but. Yeah, I think it's a 2-1 Atlanta win against Monterey at home. Uh, looking ahead to Philly, what are your thoughts there? I'm going to go with a boring 1-1 draw. Okay. I'm going to go with a sloppy 1-0 Atlanta win and right the ship a little bit from the FC Cincinnati game. I hope so. Who you got scoring? Ooh. Well, Romario Williams. No, I don't think it's Romario. I don't think it's Martinez either. You know, ideally, I'd like to see Barco score, really. I mean, we've seen him so hesitant to take a shot. <laughs> I guess my my bet's going to be on, you know what? No, it's going to be Tito Vialba that scores. Oh. Because it'll be a game that he will come in and start based off of all of the fatigue and stuff. And... Um, the fan base is clearly clamoring to see him, myself included. I think that we yeah. see him start over Gressel against Philly, especially not knowing – even if he starts against Monterey, I think he still starts against Philly. We may see him start two games this week, but I think that he ends up scoring the lone goal against Philadelphia and gives Frank something to think about as far as who he's starting in that position going forward. Sorry, random question. Um, how did you feel about the Monterey subs? Or lack thereof? right yeah um i'm not a fan of that personally (laughs) um i get what frank's saying that the players didn't seem fatigued and that's why he didn't sub them out but you got to have the forethought and be able to react to your opponent and that's what this whole discussion's been about right how you how you adapt to the game whether it's a system or in-game adjustments that that make the difference and 
Frank didn't make any of those against Monterey, in my opinion. Um, I think some late-game substitutions could have maybe stifled some of that or at least stopped the bleeding a little bit, and it didn't happen. And his reasoning was that the players didn't look fatigued. Well, they sure as shit looked fatigued yesterday, and I think some of that is to blame for keeping them in there for a full 90 minutes whenever you could have had a difference maker in there that didn't come in, and then you still didn't pull them in against Cincinnati either. So, um that's my frustration with it is the reasoning. And I think that's been another big frustration of mine with Frank is not it's, again, it's, I think some of this stuff is misguided, at least my observation for what the problems are internally right now. My problem isn't with Frank wanting to change the system or uh, come up with a different tactical approach. It's, the diversion of taking responsibility or the sort of misguided reasoning for some of the decisions that he's making and not making substitutions on the road against one of the best teams in the country in Monterey, whenever you're down to maybe make a difference, knowing that you had another game just a couple of days later seems like a, a boneheaded reasoning, not, um, winning a game or, or your reason for not winning a game or your excuse because the fans are spoiled seems like uh, a straw man argument to me. So that's been my biggest frustration with Frank along with him sort of taking a backseat to management in game. Those, those are my big three right now. And, and I've made yeah. the third one known. Uh, yeah. You don't, times. you don't like a manager who sits down during a game. No, it drives me fucking nuts especially if you're implementing a new season or a new system like that's when you need to be managing i understand and we saw tata sitting a lot at the end of last season because at that point you're not changing anything the players are gonna play but right now you need to be managing the game and managing the players in a new system that clearly they're still adapting and adjusting to so those are my critiques of frank DeBoer and and the substitution or lack thereof it's the reasoning behind it not just that he didn't do it if he had a real reason because they were actually making some strides or doing something successfully or creating opportunities i can see that but just because they're not tired that doesn't make sense to me yeah um i try and be rational and think about practical ideas of why he would not have done that uh and i can't I, I can't reconcile it. So I just have to chalk it up. Okay, it was a mistake, and hopefully he learns from it. But it was a little bit too cute. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, so the other thing I want to think about, I was trying to think of some games in the past with Tata uh, when we played Portland, when we played Seattle, uh, not Portland in the final, when we played SKC in 2017, when we played Chicago on the road in 2017. Those are all games where we had slow, ponderous build-up, and we were all frustrated. I remember you like, being Why frustrated, too. It's like, what, what, what are we passing to? Like, we're not even passing right. with any intent. What are we doing? So maybe it's all part of these growing pains. I, I feel like we get frustrated with Frank, but I feel like we've been here before. Oh, we absolutely we, have. I think it's worse we, now because we actually have something to show for it versus now right. we don't know where it's headed. And it's possible that it's, this ends up being a flop, and that's okay too. That's what the team has to learn and understand. It's just like going through uh, relationships, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. It's like – nothing's a mistake if you learn from it kind of approach to this is that if if frank ultimately ends up being a flop and we understand why that was 
we're better adapted to make sure that we're bringing in a manager that can build on that rather than repeating those same mistakes. Um, so yeah. Right. Sometimes, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Exactly. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Brittany asks, if we lose to Orlando, he should be fired on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was looking down the schedule to see. So Orlando comes to town May 12th. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight games be- before Orlando comes. So hopefully we can have this yeah. system implemented and everybody yeah. shooting on the same yeah. page before they come. Uh, Michelle asks a good question. Has anyone heard from the players? Sometimes I think we put words in their mouth. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, some of the post-game interviews, it's it's noticeable that the players are frustrated, and it's and it's very evident that they are aware that there's a new system that has been frustrating for them to adapt to. I think Guzan's direct quote was, you know, regardless of a new system, we just need to play better. Uh, Michael Parkhurst's quote about saying something to, along the lines of, you know, hopefully we come out and we give the fans and supporters a better uh, product on the field that isn't worthy of booing at the end of it. And goes back to my point before, regardless of why you're booing, they, the players don't, I mean, you can post about it on Twitter and everything you want all day, but players aren't going to know the difference of that because they're disappointed in a draw just as much as we are as fans. And then whenever you boo them, even if it's a criticism of the, the manager, it's, it's hard to decipher that as a player. And, and I understand it. And so it's, they're noticeably frustrated. <laughs> I just saw, so I, um, my kid got a Google Chromebook. And so I've had to reset my Google settings and uh, now I'm in restricted mode on YouTube, which means I cannot access the trap or the home before dark <laughs> network. It's probably for the best. Everything's marked as explicit for a reason. But uh, in the Slack channel, I, someone just grabbed a sc- screenshot. Zach G, I'd rather 69 with my sister than rewatch that game. So I guess I didn't think it was that bad. So Zach, maybe you don't find your sister that unattractive. <laughs> Oh, Dan. Well, I think we did it. It's another episode in the books. No Tim to hold us down. We did it. Um, I th- Absolutely. I think next you, week we have a break. I'm not you saying. did it, Kevin. Uh, you did it. I don't know about all that. You did it. Um, so I think I'm in a work conference next week. Tim will be back from his honeymoon next Wednesday, I believe. I don't know. It might be earlier than that. Um uh, So we might have something late next week. If not, it'll be the week following since we do have that international break in between. So be sure to hit the bell icon whenever you subscribe on YouTube to get the notification on whenever we go live. We'll obviously keep you up to date and informed via Twitter. You can find us at home before dark. That's before spelled B and the number four. Um, be sure to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. If you want to hear that read aloud on the show, I forgot to do fantasy standings because guess what? I ain't playing it. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't care how y'all are doing. Tim can deal with that shit whenever he gets back. I'm sure John F. Jingleheimer Schmidt's at the top, or maybe it's Mike German, German Furman, whatever. Um, Kevin, I got it pulled up. Okay. All right. So, Number five, nothing but red from Felch. Felch scored 97 points. Uh, his team's not loading, so I can't tell you any details. Uh, number four, 
FC Apogee, Apogee Nethal Weapon. Oh. And, it's, and this line's oh, 74 Nathan, points. back in. 74 points, Nathan. You need to sort that out. as a terrible score. Um, number three, soccer-specific fantasy team at Andy Watkins, 80 82 points. Andy is gunning for it. That's been two seasons now. He's been near the top. He's he's gunning for that top spot. Uh, number two, Th- Thought Marker SC with Gamon. Ooh. 86 points. Slippage. And uh, number one, Joseph Better Than CR7 with Rondon. 104 points. Oh, not John F. Jingleheimer Schmidt. That's a new spot. John F. Jingleheimer Schmidt is. Uh, what's his name? John F. Beasy? No, I mean like his team name. Oh, I don't remember. Stats and trends. Stats and trends. I do not see. Shout stats out to Patrick Keenum, trends. who I think is all the way down in the bottom of the standing. So congrats to you um, for getting the. Oh, Peachy Keenum. Peachy Keenum's twenty eighth. <laughs> he only got like forty points this week. I think he said. All right, guys. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate the hell out of you, uh, Dan. Thanks for coming on, man. It was a uh, oh, you're welcome. Fun, so loved it. All right, loved guys. It. We'll see you next time. As always, be home before dark. Wait. I just. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.